The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody. This is Lori H. Schwartz, your tech cat, here on a very hot day in Los Angeles. And we are about to bring you some fabulous interviews live from the floor of Atlanta last week at the IIEX conference, which is the Insight Innovation Exchange Conference, where some of the top executives and thinking in the world of marketing and insights was displayed. So we're going to play for you now some of the best interviews we had, and you are going to be blown away by all the technology and thought leadership innovation happening in the marketing and research space. So here we go. What was live from IIEX 2016. Enjoy. And we have been having great conversations all day about new technology, new platforms, and how insights and research for marketers is really changing and evolving. And so we have the fantastic Andy Ford from Brado Creative Insights, who's the Senior Director of Innovation and Ideation there. And Andy, tell us about Brado and then also what you're doing there, because it sounds so cool. You have like the really cool space here at the show, the Innovation Lab. So, So tell us about what you're up to. Well, thanks for having me, Lori. Uh, Brado Creative Insight, we're a qualitative market research company that's driven on uncovering true insight. And so everything we do is about understanding where the real opportunity is with the consumer through that insight. And insight is that tension that has some level of a solution. Oh, I like that. That's yeah. a great way to and describe an insight. And so okay. when we really think about that insight, it's, which is something that takes time and attention and close observation and conversation yeah. with that consumer, and then we apply it to my field, which is innovation. It's understanding what the problem is, where a potential opportunity is, and then working with our customer, which tends to be pretty large manufacturing and, and, and great thinkers, and then saying, where can we create new ideas? That are going to solve for that tension, and, and then, we use a lab to do that. Okay, and that's that—that's your role is 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 building is running this lab. Yeah, and I I was a lab builder as I was telling you before yeah. we got on um, the IPG Media Lab for Interpublic, um, so I understand the importance of it. Mm-hmm. So, how long has the lab been um, around? So, uh, our the, the innovation lab we've been up and running for maybe a year, probably not even a, a full year. And, and were you at the company before and you said we have to do this or? Yeah, you know, so, so Brado, we've been uh, 15 years, you know, we've been working, you know, uh, around our clients' business uh, in innovation practice. We've always had those phone calls or conversations with clients that says, hey, would you help me solve for this issue? We need new white space or new ideas or help us understand how to reposition a product, you know, from this innovation space. But 
we just had ideation. I mean, we just walked in and we scribbled ideas on paper. We walked out with maybe pretty sketches. And the, the longer we did that, the more we realized it's not as powerful unless you can physically put something in someone's hands or give them that experience like you would in a media. Right, right. Sit me down right. and let me understand what that human experience is. And what that does is it quite often reveals that the insight was right or wrong. And so, you know, I build this product, even in a speed prototype, we put it in your hands and I say, is that the right size cracker? And you're like, no, <laughs> no, that's not it. Like, okay, help me optimize that. Right. And so it allows us to fail faster. And so the innovation lab was, we believe in experimenting. We believe in taking chances. It allowed us to take chances, put our customer and their consumer in the same space mm-hmm. and figure out where those failures and those successes were. So the lab is a place for the consumer to interact with a client's product that is in progress? Sometimes. Sometimes okay. it's an iterative process for sure. Right. Okay. You know, and, and we often start with just sort of a, a tension. You know, this is the insight, this is what we're solving for. Now let's create this brand new idea. But then there's makers in the lab that help take that raw idea and give it a little bit more of a finish. And oh, so okay. we have 3D prototyping materials in there. So, what's so, they, a, so that, that's, this is fascinating. So give us an example. I, I know you're not allowed to talk about your actual clients, but maybe just an example from a business category sure. of an insight that generated a maker activity. A maker activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I'll give you one that's pretty general. Uh, is that We actually work across the snack category. In some cases. And so we have millennial guys Mm -hmm. who were coming in and we're trying to solve that snack occasion for this guy. Is it for cookies? Like, does it rhyme with Foreo? Is the the client rhyme with Andalese? JK Judge might be one of those. Okay. Uh, Actually, even if you took took sweet or you took savory or salty. Uh, Salty is one of those I think is a great one to consider. Okay. Um, And then you ask that millennial guy, I said, where... What are we trying to solve for? Yeah. What do you want? And in, in, in some cases, it's, I don't want to think about it. Or I don't want this puffy, cheesy mess so on you, my so you'll Xbox actually, controller. You'll give them the actual product to... No, I just give them the attention. This is okay. the idea. Okay. This is what we're solving for. Okay. And then they would come into this 3D prototyping suite mm-hmm. with our client, mm-hmm. and they would co-create on these ideas. Oh, really? And so so, so then, the consumer and the client yeah, are co-creating in the in same space. space. No kidding. In the same space. How fun is that? It's, it's, well, here's the best part about it for me, right, yeah. as an innovator, yeah. and, and I feel we're all in innovation, by the way, mm-hmm. is that you often find that, you know, the brand people that we work with get a chance to hear from their consumer more often than R&D, than the technology guys do. Uh, then even some of the brand folks are, you know, a little disconnected from real consumer issues. So we take that millennial guy in this case, he steps into this literally mobile prototyping suite that's 27 feet long. I mean, it's a tight enough space yeah, that yeah. you're in the same space and you're working on the same problem. And now they're like, wow, I got to talk to James and James wants to shovel as many cheesy puffs in his face as he can without having any residual residue on his, you know, Xbox controller. It, to- it totally makes sense because right. it's when I'm eating in my car, yeah, and um, I just like to do that sometimes in Los Angeles. Oh well, well yeah, you have to, <laughs> right? You? It's dangerous though <laughs> <laughs> because the get the food gets on your wheel. Yeah, well, you know? and not just that; it means in your lap. Yeah, and it's, then where do you it's put bad. Your phone? Right. So I would love for you to come up with an El Pollo Loco chicken wing <laughs> that is neater to eat in the car. <laughs> I, I, 
I hate to tell you this, but I literally have worked on the chicken wing less messy issue. Okay, we okay. Have done. But you need to step out in the lab. The, what, and I'm going to back up a little bit and say this yeah. about the neat thing about this lab. And, and the reason I think it, it is innovation is that it's mobile. And so we literally just drive it to a folks group facility or our client's corporate headquarters. Wow. And okay. so they step outside and you look at this thing, it's 27 feet long. It says innovation on the outside and you look in and there's 3D printers, there's heat sealers, there's vacuum formers, there's laser cutters ah. and we are building ideas. It sends a very clear message, not just to the people who are walking into it, yeah. but to the entire company is that we're focused on innovation and change. God, that is so interesting. So is it often the researcher from the brand with the consumer or are you taking the C-suite in there? Because yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. It, you know, it's really funny you mentioned that because it's, it's interesting is that across a lot of different categories, uh, there's different instigation points for innovation. Yeah. And so I do find that a lot of brand managers also have a side job of innovation. But then some, you know, companies have an entire group that's emerging growth. Right. Let's work on new that. New products, new whatever, but right. you're right. Getting that a senior exec to walk in and see yeah. what's happening with their products and then really understand what the insight is can change their perspective and really, honestly, move an idea a lot faster along an internal pipeline. Yeah, I would think that your company is helping bring bridge those issues inside of the company because I'd love to see the marketing team right. and the innovations team at a brand together Oh yeah, because often they're siloed and innovation will come up with this fantastic thing, yep. but then marketing's like, oh, you didn't look at our research. No one wants that. You know, you know? You know, I've got goosebumps because <laughs> I, d I do that. You do. <laughs> I regularly give people goosebumps. Right. It's my tagline. Uh, I actually, we just did a project where you're right. It was actually marketing uh, inside so marketing, brand team, then we had packaging team, then we had an outside packaging company, and the silos were evident. Came, and they and, came together. And, and honestly, you know, the marketing guys, I mean, the, the, the market research team said, hey, I don't think anybody's talking to anybody. Right, right. And having that focal point of, guys, we've got to have your files because we're going to be actually making products. Right, right. Let's, it really forced the issue and it put us on the same page. Yeah, I would think this happened to us all the time that we would have a brand, the media agency and the creative agency who are often at different holding companies right. and who weren't talking to each other and the only sort of sanctuary was our lab. Yeah. It became the neutral place, Switzerland, <laughs> where the enemies could get together and I don't know if you're familiar with all the holding companies but to have an inner public in the same oh, room yeah. with a publicist on the same piece of business yeah. was insane. So you're providing this place where conversations are allowed to happen that normally don't happen. Yeah, I think you had a you had a whole level of arbitration that we didn't have to deal with. Yeah, with yeah. that, I mean, typically we I are, drank a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I compensated. <laughs> we did. We do have. Well, but to your point, it, it could be no more disconnected. I mean, mm -hmm. we have different initiatives. We have people who have different ideas and internal work streams that they're dealing with uh, and pressures. And so moving them inside and then our job from Brado is to say, are we working against the same insight? That's what we're going to use as our North Star. We're going to point at that and move in the same direction. Timelines are going to be adjusted based on you know the needs that we have. Mm -hmm. But let's use that consumer insight to drive our innovation process. And then, yeah, once they start making things, it does seem to drop walls. And huh. we do find people go, you know what? 
I don't know what I thought about going into this, but once I saw the same sort of idea start coming out from consumer to consumer, it made me a believer. Now, are you looking at VR and AR as well as a tool inside of your lab? Because I would think that would be huge. And so, and on the laser cutting side, is there that, I think it's called Forge or something. It's right. where you just literally take a piece of paper. Yeah. And whatever the shape of the paper is, it can cut any piece of material. Absolutely. And Th- those it, things are so cool. You know, the neat thing about it, that's actually the tool we have in there. And so wood, paper, uh, metal, foil. I mean, you can actually do, we've put, um, we've simulated uh, seals that you can break that's going to send an RFID device wow. all from a laser cutter. So are you, um, as the guy running this lab, are you always looking at emerging technologies yeah. and are you going to trade shows all over the world and just playing with new stuff? We try. <laughs> yeah. it, it sounds a lot more glamorous when you say it that way because uh, I felt like I was in the bowels doing hard work. You said make it sound so nice. Uh, actually, I think you're very important. <laughs> I, I want to make sure we capture that. It'll be my LinkedIn profile after this. Um, the interesting thing uh, is that speed prototyping um, rapid prototyping is right. the t- yeah. <laughs> is it can take multiple turns and forms. And so, you know, being able to use plastics, woods, metals, uh, paper is, is huge. But one of the areas that we actually have invested in a brand new machine that's coming from Europe that's going to do food processing faster. Ah. And so we are going to be able to print food, 3D. which is so fast. 3D printing. Absolutely. Yeah. And then move that up. Now, it's not something you want to eat. Right, right. But from a food form point of view. You can play with it. It's yeah. absolutely critical. Yeah. And so, yeah, we are looking for those. And VR, AR is really important, especially when we start thinking about innovation and in AI. a service You're industry. probably looking at AI. I mean, you think yes. about that. Is yes, it, you know, yes, yes. sitting down with somebody from a sales position and trying to understand what's that customer journey, VR can put you in the, you know, let's just say healthcare, for example, yeah. somebody who's, you know, in their 70s and they're considering what their healthcare options look like, well, you need to develop empathy with that innovator. And so using virtual reality can give you right. the sense of what that timeline shifts as opposed to somebody's in their 30s or 40s. Uh, so interesting because just all the technologies that you're looking at, I've been looking at for years more from the marketing consumer side right. and you're looking at it from insights. Absolutely. Um, so it's so it's it's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, I did taste the Hershey printed chocolate at the Consumer Electronics Show. Right. Um, and it was, it was okay. I tried it. Yeah. I tried it. Sucra, I mean... Y- Printing sugar yeah. is a little bit better. And yeah. I've tried some of those, but I mean, but it takes a little longer. Yeah, it's beautiful yeah. looking. It though, is. Because they can get into like filament design and all this crazy It's thing. pretty cool. Yeah. It's actually pretty cool. You know, the funny thing about it is the, the tech, the toys that you use certainly attract your attention first. Yes. But they, it's amazing how quickly it goes away and you forget that there's a $5,000 3D printer sitting there. Right, and right. now you're just really focused on solving the problem. This is the issue. This is the issue. Some maker is over there tooling with it, and the consumer gets over it really quickly. It's, that's how pervasive technology is in our lives. So where can we learn more about Brado and what you're doing, Andy? Because I bet you, I would hope that you're posting and blogging yeah. and writing. We'd love to learn about that because you're, you're doing so many innovative things. Well, we we do have social media efforts that we are, you know, a lot of the uh, effort, obviously, you know, as you had mentioned uh, yeah. at the beginning, of the interview uh, we can't talk about what we're doing specifically with clients yes uh, but we are constantly posting about where we are and what we're doing and some of those really interesting tidbits and brado.net okay uh, is the website that we obviously 
Uh, not obviously. <laughs> it's not. It's not as pervasive as the Google. Uh, but Broadway.net is our homepage. Uh, we are very, very active on Twitter and LinkedIn, and so you know that's where you can engage with us. So at, at Brado and uh, yeah, uh, Brado Insight at Brado Insight. Okay, and uh, then how about you at Andy at A Ford A Ford? Okay, on Twitter. You got A Ford? I did. I've wow. I was I was at South <laughs> by Southwest when it launched. Wow, cool. And so a long time, and that's I actually great. followed you too, as a matter of fact. Oh, that's great. Well. Thank you for that, because um, I could use another follower. I'm slowly building up. The <laughs> <laughs> that one put you right over the top. That one put me over the top. Well, you are the Senior Director of Innovation and Ideation at Brado, and you're running this fantastic innovation lab um, for rapid prototyping and to really uh, a completely interesting, fascinating way to help clients get to new insights. Thank you. Um, and only here at IIEX could we learn about the fabulous Andy Ford and what you were doing with Brado. So thank you so much for joining us live on Voice. Thank you, Lori. Continuing a fabulous day of interviewing thought leaders who are really changing the marketing and research space. And right now, we are about to dig into a great conversation about Gen Z. That's the generation that comes after the millennials with Carol Fitzgerald, who's the president and CEO of BuzzBack. So, Carol, what is BuzzBack all about? Hi, Lori. <laughs> um, so, BuzzBack is a custom online research company. And what makes us different is that we have this portfolio of online projectives that are really engaging. And it's a critical way to interact with consumers, uh, millennials in particular now, who are very digitally first, but also the future generations. Uh, and for this study, we looked specifically at Gen Z, who's completely mobile first. So they all they do is worry about mobile and um, interact via mobile devices. That's so cool. So, um, and we were talking a little bit before that I've heard many different names for this next generation, um, including plurals, because they're the first pluralistic, non-white majority um, demographic, I guess, that's booming, um, coming up. I guess my daughter, would my daughter be, she's a six-year-old, so is she Gen Z? Or yes, she actually, that's one of the interesting things about Gen Z is, you know, we kind of dive into it. There have been a lot of articles published and one of the challenges with Gen Z is that the actual age range is defined uh, in a variety of ways. So I've seen it um, with as many as 60 million consumers up to 80 million and people say they're still being born. So yes, your six-year-old wow. daughter might actually be Gen Z. I have twins who are 19 and they're Gen Z. Wow. Okay. Because millennials have moved a bit. Exactly. So, uh, so we're really looking at a wide range here. And uh, I, I guess one of our colleagues today talked about how they've segmented millennials into like five segments. So I'm, I'm assuming that that will happen with Gen Z as well. Yes. You know? And we see that with our clients also. And this study actually contrasted millennials and Gen Z. And what happens with millennials is that you have for sure a split between millennials who are multiple people households who have kids, yes, right? The older yes. millennials, as well as millennials who are single households. And those uh, ways that you talk to those different audiences might be s somewhat different. Right. And right. millennials are still the buzzword among all our clients. I spend a lot of time with clients, but Gen Z is right around the corner both from a workforce perspective as well as a buying power perspective. God, it's so interesting. I mean, I think about myself who was raised by, I was actually raised by traditionalists because they they had kids very late. And so I have a boomer sister, but I'm Gen X. Interesting. But yet I was raised with like sort of cultural 
boomer-esque content. Right. Because they're on the cusp, as they say. And that was my folks. But yet, I'm very millennial Mm -hmm. in that I'm a digital strategist, so I'm living a millennial. Right. Sort of. So I get confused about myself. (laughs) Right. And now you have a child who's, you know, going to challenge you in other ways. I had a great experience this weekend. My daughter, um, who is a Gen Z, had some of her college friends in for the weekend. And after we got the college hugs, the first thing, guess what the first thing was that she said to them? Um, do you guys want to wash or something? Wash up? Guess what the Wi-Fi password is. Oh, right. And what my daughter told me when I told her that story about how I observed that insight, she said, well, I know my really good friends because I'm already connected to their Wi-Fi when I get to their house. Wow. So that's like the first. I mean, it is true that we all ask that when we show up. But I was just thinking as a host, I would say, do you want to wash up first or whatever? Exactly. Oh, my exactly. God. That it's is like, so, it's interesting. so interesting. So what are, what are study, some other, well, yeah, what are right, some other so things? So this study, we actually partnered with Faith Pop. Corn Brain Reserve. I don't know I if you know Faith. Faith. She's okay. iconic. Oh my God. So let me just tell you that the book she wrote, I forget the name of the book, but um, when I was running this innovations lab, the IPG Media Lab, she was my hero. Oh, really? And she was my hero oh, because the book was that. filled with, um, I forget the name of the book, but it was a list of things to happen or to come. And it inspired me to do what I do. Well, she's inspired a lot of women, actually. And yeah. she's, I think, in her 70s now. And her company, Brain Reserve, still focuses on the future. They have... Um, oh 10,000 experts. That I will, she for sure. My, she's the first name I write down when anyone Is asks that your main name or your real name? Or yeah. Your, okay, okay. Yeah. so I'll, I'll pass that on to her. Definitely, yeah. I'll email her after this conversation. Oh, my God, that's a mind blow. All right, so tell me some of the things that you've So we from. partner with them because they provide the expert dimension, essentially, of the study. They have 10,000 culture spotters and trend experts around the world. And we actually did the primary research where we interviewed uh, 200 Gen Z and millennials, both in the US and the UK, to kind of learn about what motivates them. We focused on wellness, we focused on healthcare, we focused on food. And what we, I will be presenting tomorrow are kind of eight truths about Gen Z. So I'll give you a couple of examples. So one of the truths, just thinking forward, is that Gen Z needs to chill. They're hyper stressed out, they're overwhelmed. Oh, already? Already. They've grown up in a <laughs> society where their parents were in the Great Recession. Mm. They've seen a lot of um, natural disasters around them. This is a generation that parents is hyper-stressed. Are their Gen X or are their parents boomers? Both. Okay. Both. Because okay. Both. you have a cross, right? And you right. have them still evolving too, right? right? The numbers are actually varied. Right. And we're all having kids older. so Exactly. Wow, so what so you've seen happen and what Faith, um, what Brain Reserve have brought to the research are some new things emerging like... Um, places you can drop in to meditate or relax. I think Stanford actually has a program to help kids Mm -hmm. meditate and relax because they are so stressed out and they have so much going on and they're just bombarded by, you know, all the media and all the things they participate in. Um, Another kind of truth, we have eight, as I mentioned, is that they're foodies, which is so interesting. And here's why. They grew up with their parents watching Chopped right? Many of their parents Uh, have had special diets, things like peanut allergies didn't exist when we were growing up gluten-free. Exactly, exactly. Wow. And so these are things that are going to impact kind of how you think about the future. They're very taste-oriented, which is probably a little bit because they're young and they don't have to worry about the health aspects. Right, right. But uh, as I said, we'll go into kind of eight different truths and how that impacts um, how you think about Gen Z and how you talk about Gen Z. And even if you're a liquor company who can't talk to 
Gen Z yet. You need to worry about them because they're they're kind of on the cusp and they're quickly approaching the target and will be right behind millennials with kind of equal numbers, if you will. So will there be this insane focus on them like there has been on millennials? Because I, I have so many colleagues who are marketers and brands who just don't want to hear about it anymore. Agree. They're Agree. like over a slide on millennials and why they're different. So is it going to be the same or are we now used to the fact that the next demo comes and they're drastically different? I think it's going to be a similar kind of focus. Mm-hmm. I think in the beginning, uh, as we did in this study, there'll be some contrast between Gen Z and millennials. I mean, I have to say, I, I actually spent a lot of time in the field with clients. I count how many companies I visit. So last year I visited 86 companies, not wow. clients, okay. companies. The year before, 105. I spent a lot of time out there. And just when I think I'm done here about millennials I hear about millennials again yeah, yeah. even at this conference I think there's at least probably a dozen presentations on millennials God. so I have to believe that Gen Z is going to be very similar it's already impacting marketers who you know do things like GOM and um, you know other things they that maybe are a little bit it, right? more kind of kid oriented if you will but going forward absolutely this are they is a are they going force. to be as a impacted by social good as millennials have been? Yes, even more so. Um, For them, it's a rite of passage. One of the things that we talk about actually... as one of the truths is that a moral imperative for them is giving back to the earth because they have witnessed Hurricane Sandy and tsunamis and right. these, you know, extreme the drought natural in events. California right now. Right, yeah. exactly. So things like sustainability, it's like sustainability on steroids, basically. These are right. people who want to engage in a totally different way. How do we know so much about them when they're so young? I mean... So they're they're kind of interesting and they're a little bit um, almost schizophrenic in how they operate. So while they're really digitally connected, they also know how to play the game, right? They also know how to do what's called dark web. Oh, what's and that? And that's when they just Ooh. go stealth on the internet and they, you know, kind of hide who they are and they uh-huh. know how to play the game of being identified. And that is something that we have to think about, right? When we go into social and we go into oh, how we communicate them. just blew my mind them. again today. My mind has just been blown again. I mean, this stat, this stat blew me away also. 80%, I think the actual number was 77, have never met their friends. They've only met their friends online. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's almost actually a little bit scary. So how they socially engage and interact, you know, really takes Do you on know a my, different dimension. Do you know my six and a half year old asked me for a phone? I'm sure. You I'm know, not surprised. And she, for a while, she thought her little iPod Touch was a phone. And then I had to say, it's not a phone. And now she's asking for a phone. And I'm like, dude, that's not going to happen until you're 12. <laughs> you know, but I bet you it gets younger. Because yeah. once one kid in the grade gets one, exactly. you're screwed, right? Exactly. God. I know. I don't know about you, but when I get on a plane these days, like the number of two-year-olds with iPads is amazing. Oh, yeah. My kid is totally iPad, you know. I mean, we only <laughs> let her do ed- educational things, but still. And now, now she's kind of, you know, at restaurants, she's now able to just be in color and she's going right. analog again. Right. But there were a couple of years there where we, we were... Now that's not, you know, the U.S. demographic, obviously, yeah. but it's a little bit scary, I think, in terms God. of the prevalence. So what, what other things? Are they going to be living at home like millennials are? Um, right now, longer? it's trending that way. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, they are the, quote, parents' generation. So one of the things that we also asked about is for them to talk about who their hero is. 
And, you know, 40% of them listed a real person. They don't have the same kind of superheroes that, you know, maybe I grew up with, for example. Mm -hmm. And in fact, 20% said their moms. <gasps> I hope my so, daughter says that. Right, exactly. <laughs> don't you want to be that iconic, yeah. you know, well, mentor? She's such a, a daddy's girl right now, but maybe it'll change. Maybe it'll change. <laughs> yeah. 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 God, that is so cool. So you are also, um, you are also a woman-owned diversity supplier. What does that mean? Yes. That's so interesting. So what it means is that, um, well, first of all, from a technical standpoint, I own the business. Um, I started the business, actually. and um, But what it also means is that we're very uh, supportive of women. And actually, more importantly, how we define it is families just in general, right? Mm -hmm. So we have five core values as a company. And one of the ones that's most important to our employees is flexibility. Mm -hmm. And what that means is I care about two things, let's say, from a business standpoint. One is that we hit our number. And two is that you respond, especially when it's a client and I don't care. And I don't care for the most part. Don't hear. They didn't hear me say this. Uh, you know, where you work or right. where you are. Yeah, yeah. But um, as long we, as you get the work done. Exactly. We call it a little bit more agile working, yeah. if you will. Right. And it's actually contributed very uniquely to our culture in two ways. One about 40% of our employees have been with the business more than five years, which is a lot for a company that's only 16 years old. And secondly, that 40% of the employees have been recruited from other employees, which says something about our culture. And people are extremely can-do. Um, I describe it as, you know, you ask somebody jump and they say hi, hi, <laughs> right? So it's, it's, a great, um, it's a great culture to be a part of, and I can't take complete credit for it but it's because we support each other and it goes just beyond women frankly about more than half of our employees are women but mm -hmm. it's just uh, you know by accident at, at this point yeah I it was just say. um i made my husband read an article about working moms mm -hmm. and just to to understand that modern issue of how stressed out we are yeah um, because we're always worried about we're not doing well in either area. Exactly. Um, and it's <clears throat> different than the conversation five or ten years ago. Absolutely. It's not can you have it all, it's can you survive? <laughs> no, it's true. Can you get through the week? It's true. You know, without having a breakdown. So I, lo I love that you're you're focused on all of this. So you're at an innovations conference around insights. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you've seen today or heard today that you're, you're like, oh, that's different, you know, thinking differently about things? Yeah, I have to say what I'm actually pleased to hear, I haven't been here that that long but what I'm pleased to hear is not all these kind of giant signs about research being dead yeah <laughs> because I'm sick of that and yeah. that's not the case I yeah. think it's how we use technology from an insights perspective to kind of connect with consumers and obviously we need to do that in different ways one of the ways that we do that at buzzback is by making techniques that are more interactive just in general because you have generations like millennials and gen z who are not going to go to focus groups anymore right they don't, right. don't want to they don't interact socially so right, hey right. guess what guys you better you know kind of change how you talk to them and that's kind of where we come into play a little bit Wow, that is so interesting. And in terms of how you did your research, did you use any of these modern techniques? Yes, we deploy all our techniques. Um, right now, the the numbers from a, a fielding perspective are still relatively low. I think it's still only 20, 25% of consumers are actually you know, doing studies on did, um, smartphones or tablets, for example, but that will change quickly. About 40% of our business at Buzzback is healthcare. We oh, do a okay. lot of work with physicians 
physicians globally. And um, there you're looking at 40, 50% of physicians are doing studies on their iPads. And it makes sense. If you've gone to the doctor lately, they have tablets to capture your data, right? Right, um, right, right. Well, Carol, where can we continue to hear about this great, uh, this great research on these Gen Z folks and also all the other work that you guys are doing? Mm-hmm. So tomorrow we have the sneak preview, 420. Uh, I think it's track four. And I will be doing a workshop, the ABCs of Gen Z. And we're actually going to give away a couple of um, gift cards if you can guess what some of the acronyms are. <laughs> but then also we will be releasing it publicly with Faith Popcorn Brain Reserve towards the end of this month and doing a webinar and and some PR and some other things around so it. So on your site? Um, on on our, our site for sure. Buzzback.com. Uh, buzz and we're pretty active socially as well. And are you um, tweeting and, and yes, blogging? Yes, so I'm at Carol Fitzgerald. Um, we also have Buzzback MR uh, and, you know, Facebook and all the other places you can Oh, that's so us. great. Well, it's been so interesting Same to here. talk to you. I'm kind I'll of excited. Faith, you said hi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you would totally make my day. Um, <laughs> I will. I, I, I can't wait to see who my daughter becomes now. Exactly. It's, it's kind of exciting. Exactly. So um, it's been great to chat with you. We are broadcasting live here from IIEX on voiceamerica.com talking to the fabulous Carol Fitzgerald from Buzzback on on our future generation, Gen Z. So thank you great. so much. Thanks, Lori. Okay, have Bye. a great day. Bye. And we are very excited to be talking to Melanie Cartwright, who is the EVP of Global Products and Client Services at Research Now. And Research Now is one of the big sponsors here at today's conference. And you gave a keynote today. So tell us about Research Now. And I, I know that, that coming here is a big investment. So I'd love to hear your whole, you know, your whole sort of thing. Yeah, Research Now is proud to be a sponsor of IIEX. It's a huge innovation conference. And a lot of the conferences that we do in our space are very specific to talking about the way we traditionally do things but this conference pushes us outside our comfort zones. And so uh, I'm all about pushing people way outside their comfort zones. It's a good match for me personally and a great match for our company. We're a data tech company, so data about people all over the world. Uh, and we are trying to push the industry to do more, do more with data, do more with tech and do less with our hands, do more with our minds. So. Oh, how exciting. And have you sponsored the show before? Yes, we've been. I think this is uh, every year it's been in Atlanta. We've been the premier sponsor. So, Are you guys based in Atlanta? We're actually based in Dallas. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So another it's really steamy rainy place. there right now, so it's kind of great to be here. <laughs> well, and I know you gave a keynote today on the forces that make us change. Can you share a little bit with us about what that is? Sure. Uh, it, both in our personal lives and in our professional lives, there are forces all around us, and uh, they are forcing us to either, um, to we make choices to either rail against them and and try to stay set in our ways or to uh, embrace and adopt them in um, in our personal life. Those are things like love and loss and fear. Uh, they, they force us to change uh, our ways. In business, it's things like data, technology, automation, uh, the force of mobile. Uh, And so uh, as an industry, we we tend to be a little too slow at adopting those changes and it can hurt us. And so uh, we're t- I talked today about the force of automation uh, and, and the ways to embrace automation and the force of mobile. And then I was really specific about how we're not uh, changing enough in the mobile front uh, and how it's hurting us. So uh, I, threw a, I threw the gauntlet down. I, was, <laughs> I challenged everybody in the room. Well, I, I have a lot of questions on that, but um, tell me a little bit more about Research Now and your sort of main focus as a company. So Research Now is a global panel company. We have 
members of uh, all over the world who uh, come to us and are willing to let us ask them questions, follow them around on their mobile devices, um, uh, and get to know them intimately, deeply, their ailments, their wishes, their hopes, their dreams, their employment. Um, and then we get to know them and we share that data back with our clients. Uh, and then we also invite them to take surveys about those things uh, so that businesses like Merck can study efficacy of drugs and businesses uh, like um, Procter & Gamble can ask about the new packaging or the new product and just make sure that these companies are building things that the client that the, that the consumer world wants and will embrace. So not building in air, hoping that someone will come and buy it, but actually basing it from real consumer feedback. Right, right. Um, remember years and years ago when Coke tried New Coke, um, right. one of the things they failed to do was really assess the market before they changed New Coke and they had a massive product failure. And so um, the point of research is to try to prevent those product failures. And has there been innovation in how panels are used and leveraged and managed? Um, you know, now that you've thrown this gauntlet down, are you looking at automation and mobile for how you manage your panels? We are. So research used to be, uh, it started being in person and then it moved to the phone and online itself is new-ish, uh, 15 years. Um, and But now with the consumers all on their mobile devices, every survey, every, every interaction has to be designed for the mobile um, for the mobile experience. Uh, and we're not doing enough there to make the mobile experience better. Um, half of all new members that come to us come to us on a mobile device, but a third of all surveys we see won't work on a mobile device. And so there's a big disconnect, sort of a gap happening. But then just the way that we work, we're being compressed on with that clients don't want to pay us to do things manual, they want to pay us to think. So everything that we're doing that requires manual work, we're having to completely reinvent it, rip out the inefficiencies and make it faster and faster and faster. So because oh, they're, they're pushing you. So so get so get everything automated on on the sort of non needed human side, right? And then your thinking, your strategists, your planners, that's your, right. your insights driven. So that's where they want your, your brains. That's right. We're spending more time making sure that they do things well and less time just taking orders. You know, that is so interesting because I think on the reverse side, that's what's happening to ad agencies too, it is. right? Is there less becoming the sort of solution providers and they're more becoming the strategists and the brand directors, right? They have the brief and they own the strategy and then all these little companies are handling all the little stuff and, and the piece of programmatic. So are, are people very afraid when you talk about automation? I mean, what, why is there so much pushback on that? There is. People are afraid that if you go too far down automation that you will lose your ability to consult. The absolute opposite is true. The whole point of automation is to spend your time consulting rather than spending your time doing these manual tasks. And also, every time you do something manually, you introduce the opportunity to make a mistake. And so automation takes those things that should be uh, super set in the way that you do them, automates them, and allows you to really focus on adding value. Clients want you to add value. They want to pay you for your mind, not for your fingers. And what, on, in terms of the mobile side, what's holding people back? Is it just because they have to rebuild things? It is. Uh, it's fear of the data changing. For a long time, sort of the gold standard in research has been consistency. I can consistently get the result. Sometimes they can follow consistency so closely that they're actually missing the change in the marketplace mm. that's happening. And that's sort of the way, the way that we've gone. They're so afraid to change their tracker. Consistency is is God. And unfortunately, they're actually missing the part of the of the America that's changing. They're missing the millennials. They're missing the people on their mobile devices. Those people are more, um, are more trendy. They're quicker adopters. They're a bit more materialistic. 
all those people that are mobile first, are, their opinions are not being counted in these massive trackers that are driving business decisions. It's a big miss. Now, you have global in your title. So I'm, I'm wondering, have you seen different trends regionally? You know, in, in this I have. space, yeah. Um, I, I've actually they're in the emergence in the emerging markets where they went straight from phone to mobile, and they skipped like the online because the they didn't desktop, have, yeah, right. They skipped that, so they're much they're actually further ahead because they had to go straight to mobile. So they designed for mobile first. It's the it's the countries that have been doing online for a while that are struggling to to um, evolve them. That's right, and you're talking about like Africa yes. and Asia and some other places like that that are in that thirty percent emerging market but they really are so far ahead and that's also where the most opportunity is that's right right so so you're finding a lot of success there for the the mobile side side. god that is so interesting so at this conference we've been impressed by all the innovation and Mm -hmm. the new thinking with all the companies that we've talked to and also all the startups that are here what what has blown you away the most of, of the companies that you've met today so, uh, wow, that is a great question. <laughs> <laughs> or it could just be like on the technology side, what, what's turned you on? Because we were just talking to, um, I think it was a sentient decision science, and he kept blowing us away by just what's being done already. Like we had no idea the swipe was being measured right. and things yeah. like that. Um, and just how everything you do can be measured now. And me like sighing is something that they're measuring. So we were yeah. kind of freaked out <laughs> in yeah. a good way. So, w- so what, what are you surprised? by uh, it, so I, I'm not sure surprised is the right word but excited yes uh, is, is a really good word for me um, because I'm following all of that so I'm, I'm not surprised by it but I'm super excited about all these data pieces that are starting to be stitched together to tell bigger stories we used to make all our decisions from this little short survey and now we take the survey and we add the observational data and we add the listening data we add the client data we add the shopping data we add the all the match data we can find and we tell big long stories that are much more insightful yeah that, that has been a theme today too that a lot of the folks we've met are talking about how they're pulling in all the pieces together Um, it's hard but it's fun right because clients don't want piecemeal anymore right that's right they want and also we've been really interested and I don't know if this comes up for you too in how social media now has moved outside of this like weird stepchild over there and now it's actually being integrated yep authentically within data sets. That's right. So that's that's really cool. So wh- what what um, what's next for research now? Where can we learn more about what you guys are doing? So uh, researchnow.com. Uh, we actually have a brand new website, so go play with it. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited. Um, and so the, the next thing for us is we're known as a great, like, we're the market leader and panel, uh, but we're really expanding into a much more broader data uh, field and tech field. So uh, I can't wait for people to see some of the cool stuff coming out in the next six months. Ooh, how exciting. And then Melanie, are you positive? podcasting yourself or emailing or blogging or tweeting or anything we can I'm, find I'm you? tweeting I'm at Mel Courtright and uh, I'm blogging as part of the research now blog uh, so also on the website and I write a lot of papers speak at a lot of conferences so follow me and uh, and I'll, I'll challenge you I'll make you uncomfortable and you'll thank <laughs> me for it <laughs> <laughs> well I'm already uncomfortable I'm not thank you well it's been so great to talk to you this has been such an interesting day of talking to all the sort of innovators in marketing marketing research and for those of us that aren't deep in the well with you guys. It's just comforting to know that there's innovation happening everywhere. And so smart of you to to, uh, to sponsor such a great conference. So Melanie Cartwright with Research Now at the IIEX conference, really one of the top uh, marketing conferences in North America, um, really sharing some great insights. Um, and I love what you spoke about today, which is the forces that make
make us change, which is such a poignant uh, topic to talk about on both business and personal. Thank um, you. So let's have a hand, a radio hand for Melanie Cartwright. Research now. And I'm about to jump into a great discussion with Scott Miller, who is the CEO and also a board member of Vision Critical, which is a company that really has a fantastic customer intelligence platform um, on marketing research. So, Scott, tell us more about Vision Critical, because I, I know I'm not doing it justice. Oh, um, so, tell, tell us and tell us about your role at Vision Critical. Happy to do so, and thanks very much for having us. Uh, Vision Critical provides a cloud-based customer intelligence platform. It enables companies to build large communities of their customers customers or their stakeholders for the purposes of creating a continuous, authentic conversation with them. And it really is kind of displacing the conventional ad hoc research methodology and even to a degree that kind of event triggered spam surveys that you might get on a regular basis that pretty much no one's filling out anymore. And uh, uh, the company's been around 16 years and initially, call it right in the early in the early days, the take up wasn't that great. I think it was just a little bit too um, uh, disruptive, if you will. I wasn't there at the time, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, the concept was really founded then and has really started to accelerate since social media started enabling people to have conversations about companies without the companies controlling it. So once we were all, all of a sudden able to tweet and Facebook and things like that about companies, they realized they needed to find a different way to create a conversation, not simply a transactional survey relationship with, with customers um, and prospects, but actually to join the conversation and to start to try and manage it so that they could extract intelligence from that way, if you will. And that really, call it late um, a last decade, 2008 or so, uh, adoption really started to pick up. Now we have uh, about 750, 800 uh, communities around the world. Some of them are very large. They're in the hundreds of thousands of of members and frequently integrated with a CRM database or other types of um, uh, big data ecosystems that you might find so that companies can build the communities, engage with them, and then send that information back in to the other uh, platforms that they use to make decisions with. Wow. So so customers like me, like I'm, say, a fan of dry bar to yep. get you know, uh, blow dries on the fly um, because those of us who are in radio need to have <laughs> blow dry. <laughs> well, you wear the headset all day. That's right. We wear the headset. But um, in order to, you, you actually solicit information from me, regular person, about a brand I love in this environment. Pick a brand. Interestingly, um, some people might consider them fans. The truth of the matter is you're passionate about that brand. Yes. You're not necessarily a, a flag waver. You might be frustrated with certain things, right? Actually, yes. a lot of our customers find out that people are more critical of their products and their ideas when they are part of this community because they're kind of accountable for their opinions. But to get back to your question, so yes, so that company may want to send, every time you have a blow dryer or whatever, may want to send you um, a survey, but you're too busy for that. What if they engaged you as an advisor and said, look, look, you're, you're one of our customers that uses our service or products on a regular basis. Can we engage you in a two-way conversation? Here's what they're going to do. They're going to ask you questions about different business problems they have, and then they're going to send you information back that informs you about things that matter to you that are in that general space as well. So if you're curious about different techniques being used, different hairstyles, whatever it might be, um, this is a great way for you to actually get content and access back, and you get it in a privileged manner because you're part of the special advisory community. Right. So you've you've made me an influencer, and you're rewarding me. Yes, so exactly. there's, there's a reason for me to participate, and we love that because I love 
you know, talking about brands I love. So you've operationalized that. Yes. And, and if you think about it, the survey response rates continue to go down. I listened to um, a senior person at Pew Center talk last week, and they are continuing to go down. People are busy. People are really busy, and unless there's really something in it for them, uh, they're not going to participate. In the old days of you know gift cards and even cash incentives really aren't working anymore because our time is so valuable. Mm. And so really the, the next generation of an incentive is more of an intrinsic incentive, proving that we matter to these brands um, and that we get some sort of intelligence out of the participation process as well. And so it's this two-way exchange that makes the conversation authentic. It's not transactional. It's not, hey, if you have time, fill this out. It's more about if you fill it out, you're going to get val- genuine value out of doing so. And again, it's not just surveys anymore. Obviously, is one of the reasons we're here is the techniques for engagement of, of um, participants, of customers, of prospects is really getting rather exciting and advanced. Yeah. And so um, we are, the platform enables you to weave all of those capabilities into, um, again, into the, uh, the information flow that you have. Uh, so interesting. So what are you doing at the conference today? Are you speaking about Vision Critical? You know, what, what, I know you come here every year. Tell us about yeah, what, you, what you're doing. We've been a sponsor of the conference since it was much smaller than it is now. And, <laughs> and the reason we're so passionate about it is it really draws out um, the, call it the upstart innovation. I mean, there's a lot of mature, substantial companies here, but there's also a lot of great ideas, people with great capabilities, technologies that are looking to kind of get discovered, to find business partnerships so they can scale their solutions. And that was the thing I discovered years ago. We actually sponsor the innovation competition. We're a sponsor. I'm here to judge. And selfishly, I'm here to see what hot new capabilities are being developed that we might be able to partner with um, at Vision Critical in order to continue to build out our platform and deliver more and uh, of the capabilities that our customers are interested in wow. using with their communities. So for you, it's a great way to meet new companies doing innovative things in this space and see if you'll partner with them and leverage them in your larger platform. And they're all looking for folks like you that are already established to, to leverage them. So it's startups yes. in marketing insights and research. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, those are... you'll. I know a lot of folks, I've been in the industry a long time, so there's a great chance to reconnect and understand what's going on. But uh, it's a selfish. This is entirely economic. <laughs> I will pretend that I'm interested in all the, the song and dance and the flair and the entertainment. The truth of the matter is, mm-hmm. it's economic. We are looking for the basically next generation of great capabilities that plug into the insights function in the, in the ecosystem. And as, as you know, and the reason why you're here is the insights ecosystem has exploded. And in some respects, it's, it's under constant threat from other types of ecosystems that are out right, there. Right, everything is spilling into each other because everything it. is cloud-based and grabbing data and everyone's trying to understand it. And yes. so, so all these different worlds are colliding now. Um, yes. But you guys are sitting on top of a heritage of analyzing data. So, and that's, that's important. I, I know a lot of social media folks are trying to interpret that, but you are coming from it from this more traditional background, which kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think we're, we're from the, the spirit of listening to people and to try and figure out how to help companies leverage what those people's opinions are in order to make better business decisions. That's our traditional heritage, if you will. What's different is that by plugging into these other ecosystems, our engagements are typically shorter and shorter. They are also based on 
memory. And what that means is whatever somebody has told you in the past, in order to have a genuine conversation with somebody, you have to actually leverage that in order to have the next conversation. But our, uh, call it the survey research ecosystem, really doesn't enable that. The economics around it are hit people as many times as you can with a survey. And and if they don't answer, just hit them with the same damn one or try it a different way. That's not going to work anymore. It doesn't work anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what you really want to do or what we're encouraging with our platform is to leverage what people have told you along the way and use that to then have the next conversation, the next point of contact, if you will. I'm just curious, just because I sit in Los Angeles and a lot of my colleagues and clients are in the entertainment industry, is is that is that category coming to you as well? Our largest sector, uh, our largest and fastest growing. We have, I think, about a, between 150 and 175 unique communities with the largest media and entertainment brands in the world. And I think the reason why our platform is particularly hot for them is they have to make decisions so quickly. I mean, in your business, something happens at this conference that's a breaking story. You've got it. You're going to want to be on top of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so as a result, what if it happened and you wanted to test the way you were telling the story with a group of people that listen to uh, listen to the radio the, the radio shows that you do? How do you get a hold of them in only a few hours to still be able to test the ideas, the hypotheses that you want to take to market, and still get some sort of feedback from them? You can't do it with a uh, in a traditional manner. And so the media um, industry, the entertainment industry in particular, is is engaging with their communities. Mm-hmm. In basically on an hourly basis. I they, mean, they really are. I mean, I, I know that, that when you're a fan, you're a fan. Yeah. You know, just like I was saying about um, earlier, we were talking to an, another colleague about neuroscience, and I was saying how I love Drybar as mm-hmm. a brand, and I would talk about that for days. I, I mean, I often do. <laughs> <laughs> as women love to talk about certain things, but yep. uh, but um, anything that you're an enthusiast about, you, you'd like to talk about. And I think I do think that's the, the, the nuance there is, because you're an enthusiast of it, it doesn't mean you're, we use the word fan, and the and the the kind of the social media world loves the word fan. I actually don't like that word because mm. I think you're more critical of Drybar's ideas than others would be because you know the you know the offer, you use it, um, you want it to get better. And mm. so as a result, you've got ideas about how to make it better. You've got things you don't like and you've got things you do like. Which is really so valuable if you are Exactly. If you're genuine, if you're authentic about your engagement with that brand, you're going to give them as much critical feedback as you are you know, flag-waving compliments about things they're doing. And I think the the other thing that's interesting is our space has moved from anonymity mm-hmm. to people wanting credit for their ideas and the things that they do. And right, wanting status. Credit, wanting yeah. status. The social media has done this. Right. But when you think about it in that perspective, you actually, now you're on record as providing information. So you're going to take a little bit more time and be a little bit more authentic in your responses right, and in your right, engagement it because it's you. your name. Right, exactly. Right, right. I like that. And it's, it's amazing. Again, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the research science world said people won't be honest with you unless, unless they're anon- uh, anonymous, right? Unless you give them their That's anonymity. That's not true anymore. Not true anymore. We want credit for it. Hey, right. I'm working hard to give you my opinions. Darn it. I've got my own brand. Mm. I'm my own little kind of uh, information ecosystem itself. I'm broadcasting points of view. I'm digesting content, etc. You know what? I want credit for the things that I'm the things I'm saying and the things that I'm doing. God, that is so interesting. Now, Scott, where can we learn more about Vision Critical and what you're doing? Are you blogging? Are you tweeting? What, you know, where can we? We've got a pretty good social media activity. Our marketing department is pretty active. I think our best site we put. Um, 
I got about now 40 or so customer stories on our website, visioncritical.com, and you can actually go in and see videos that the customers have done about how they're engaging customers. And the one thing I'm proud about, about our, um, if you look at, uh, if you follow us, um, uh, and if you look at some of our social media and, and you even look at our, our webinars, we're not really broadcasting, hey, it's all about vision critical. It's all about vision critical. We're, we're trying to broadcast the message right, um, right. The that the world has changed right. and that we need to focus on authentic conversations with people. And that's where we ought to be. And that's one. The second thing is we shouldn't be competing with other sources of information. We should be looking to enhance, to augment them, to take the conversation from where they are and go further. No one is going to convince a CEO or a CMO that market research data collection is going to be more accurate than you know millions of transactional records. But what you can do is say there's a lot of things you don't know about those transactional right, right. records, that behavioral data. Engage with those people. Take the intelligence, the learning to the next level. And that's that collaborative model, that almost that sharing economy from a data perspective, I think is the biggest trend that we're trying to to basically to you know to market and communicate because we think it's here to stay mm-hmm. and we think it's if we don't get on board it's a threat to the industry if we do get on board it potentially gives the industry a great opportunity to grow and add a whole new Gosh. dimension of value um you have made this so interesting to me i just want to hang out with you <laughs> oh stop it You're, you have to say that because we're we're in, we're, uh, we're talking online no but- it's really interesting what you're talking about and um and i think it's it's operationalized what has been so fuzzy for so long yes. and, and especially coming from digital strategy social media and all these things that have been so fuzzy for so long you're actually making it all authentic by by putting it in an operationalized platform And, and i love also that you're constantly looking out for new startups because i think that's how companies stay alive you I'm know. very proud of some of the startups that have actually received the awards that we've put out there, some of the, the engagement we've had. Them. Unfortunately, in a couple of cases, I can't afford them anymore. At one right. point, we would have said, well, let's acquire them or something right, like right. that. Now they're too successful. Right. But again, that's a great but problem But you have, a, to have. No, a nose for what might, might, might be successful. That's why you're a good person to have around. Well, Scott Miller from Vision Critical, thank you so much thank for, you very much for chatting it. live on voiceamerica.com here at IIEX. We love it. Thank thanks, you so much. Thanks very much for having us. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Lori H. Schwartz, your tech cat. I hope you enjoyed all those fantastic interviews and learned a lot about the exciting world of marketing insights and innovation. A lot of new and exciting tech-driven things happening in that space. Next week, I'm going to bring to you live some interviews from VidCon out of Anaheim, California, which is a multi-genre online video conference held annually in Southern California since 2010. Some of the biggest YouTube stars and influencers will be at this event. And besides me and thousands of 16-year-olds, I will be interviewing some of the hottest folks in video content today. So join us next week. It's been great being with you here on the Tech Cat Show. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.